On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have a discussion with Bria Stanton, who I have known for quite some time, uh, back to her days as a student athletic trainer at UW Lacrosse. Uh, Bria and I reconnected um, over a course of her DAT program and looking at um, having a mentor, and that's what we talk about in today's episode. Uh, this ties in really good uh, with Rob Dix's episode uh, when we talked about mentorship and multitasking, but mainly on the mentorship side, uh, just looking at the different things and what you can do with it. And that's really something that Bree and I get into is that really it is a two-sided thing and you get a lot out of both sides, absolutely. Um, if you want to look back to Rob's episode, that is episode 74. Um, great episode, a lot to take away, um, something I'm working through. Also with looking at potentially reaching out to a potential mentor, so lots to take in. Um, our project of Throw a Lifeline, um, the Emergency Ready Pack in coordination with Mueller is up and running. Uh, would love if the AT community has the ability to and would like to donate a small amount helps again. Every listen that gets us a little more ad revenue goes directly to fulfilling those. Any donation, no matter the size, goes to fulfilling those. We're over halfway to getting our first one done. We've got uh, a couple dozen nominations in to get these out to people that could utilize them. So please check that out, clinicallypress.com backslash throw a lifeline. And without further ado, enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Bria Stanton. Uh, we are discussing mentorship from the mentee and the mentor perspective of this. Uh, I'll have to go back and get the exact episode number, but uh, this will tie in nicely to Rob Dix, who we interviewed talking about mentorship um, and everything. And so a quick little background, uh, Bria and I have known each other Oh, for a while now, what, five, six years, probably, you know, going all the way back. Uh, Bree was an undergrad at UW Lacrosse when I was there as um, the head AT, and we worked together with football amongst a spattering of other things. Um, always had a good working relationship, but I think we can both honestly say we didn't always see eye to eye on things. Um, and that's a lot of what we're just going to talk about today, kind of how that worked then and how it's evolved now and um before i keep rambling Bri, i just wanted to turn it over to you to give a little bit more background on a just your athletic training career thus far um and then really what was the impetus of you and i ultimately reconnecting um and now attempting to keep by week every other week checks um as much as the schedule allows so yeah well first thanks for inviting me um so a little bit of background. So like you said, I was an undergrad. I'm now two years out of a bachelor's degree. And um, about a month after I graduated from UWL, started a doctorate in athletic training program at Indiana State University. And I'm working as a GA with them. So I have not yet been a full-time employee out in the workforce. Um, 
do have a full-time job lined up, but have worked for ISU, contracted through a hospital since then. Um, and then kind of how we reconnected was ISU's DAT program has a mandatory mentor-mentee relationship, and we actually get to experience it from both sides. So this year with all the COVID issues, we actually didn't pick our own mentees. Um, so we served as professional mentors to professional level, like entry level um, athletic training students that this year were picked for us. I believe in the past they have allowed those to be picked by the individual. Um, just some of the research shows that these relationships are better formed if you have a little bit more say in them. But then this year we decided to partner with a couple other schools. Um, and then obviously we then got to pick a mentor as well. So we got to be the mentee. And um, like you said, we didn't always see eye to eye when I was working with you at UWL, but um, for me, that was part of the challenge. We were tasked with challenging ourselves and finding a mentor that we thought would inspire us to be better as well as challenge us. Um, and I remember being an undergrad and even though we didn't always see eye to eye, I knew that you would challenge me um, as a mentor. And I knew that there was a lot to learn and you had a lot of qualities that I wanted to, or want to pursue within athletic training. So that's kind of how I decided on reaching out to you and starting this mentor-mentee relationship. Yeah, I remember when you sent that email asking, I remember talking to one of my, my coworkers that you know well, um, and I was just like, dude, you'll never believe who just reached out and asked for me to be, you know, part of this mentor-mentee thing through Indiana State. And again, it was for all those reasons. It's not that we never, that we didn't get along. Yeah, we worked together just fine and we got things done, but I knew you didn't always appreciate my feedback. That I feel like I, I try not to be too hard on you, but um, – <laughs> understandable um but i know how you envision things and how i had seen them and just start just the gap in our experience and whatnot um always brought a point of questioning back which i always appreciated because it helped force me to rethink what i was doing to ensure that i th was as confident as i thought i should be and how i wanted to have things run and working so it was always a good aspect in that regard as well so i think something that could be really useful because we were just talking about this off camera is i personally have never really had like a mentor that i've reached out to on a consistent basis um trying to convince myself to make that leap here um, hopefully in the near future, I want to do a little bit more due diligence before I do that. Um, but for somebody who's out there as a, who wants to be a mentee and is looking for that mentor, what things specifically, you know, you mentioned challenge a little bit. Did you look for what things were you guys instructed in terms of like how to reach out to that person um, that could be useful for somebody that maybe is 
even myself, still, you know, riding that fence, but looking to make that move? Yeah, so great question. <laughs> um, I honestly don't know if I would have ever taken the leap if I didn't have to. Um, so for all of the people that are looking to do it, my biggest advice is just do it, like take the leap and do it. The worst thing they can do is tell, you no, <laughs> um, and then you move on to somebody else. It's also important to note that like, just because they have certain qualities, like that's something that we were told to look into, like what qualities do we want to have and be able to demonstrate and pursue as an athletic trainer and then you find someone that is either in that position that you want or has the qualities that you want or has the work-life balance that you want um really whatever your like sticking points are like find a person that does that and it's okay to aim high like like I said, the worst thing that they can do is say no. And then you find someone else and they're not the only person that's going to have those qualities. So I remember reaching out to you and being like, I really appreciate the work-life balance. And you had just had a kid at home. Um, so in that initial email then, so like, it's a lot of reflective process at the beginning. Like, what do you really want? What do you want to get out of it as the mentee? Um, Cause it's great to say you have a great mentor and like they have this big name that everybody in athletic training knows, but if you don't connect with them, that relationship's not going to be as beneficial as it could be. And if they don't really have the qualities, like if you're going after a title versus the qualities that you want, it's not going to be as beneficial to you. So I think the reflective process was really big in the start um, and then as far as the email goes or like reaching out goes, um, don't waste their time, like list why you wanted to do it, but you don't need to send them a four paragraph email, right? Who wants to read a four paragraph email about, oh, these are all the great things that I've heard about you, or I know about you. Like I was lucky in the case that I knew a lot about you and I still have strong connections with UWL. So, and like the professional level students there. So I was able to list those qualities and know that they're right, but you list the qualities and you say, Hey, like I'm interested in this just, and then just ask the question, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to even like chat about it? Cause there's a difference between asking them to for sure be your mentor. And you might not have even met these people before. So like, don't recommend that. So like you could to say like, hey, this is something I'm interested in. Are you willing to chat about potentially being a mentor? And like, can we meet each other and see if you really do possess these qualities that I'm looking for if you've never met them before? Um, but yeah, asking the question is the hardest part, honestly, is just asking and trying to find that balance of being professional, but also you wanna be personable because you're gonna have a personal relationship with them from there on out. So the question, the ask is the hardest part. <laughs> yep, I know I'm going to be going through that here just in the near future and trying to convince myself to, to just ask that question because, again, what's the worst thing they're going to say is no and being okay with, I mean, I mean, I guess somebody could straight up reject you, but I'm guessing the people that you're reaching out probably are willing to at least consider just may not have the time for it. So it's not purely just them saying no. 
yeah, I think that's a good thing to remember too, is they're not necessarily like for anybody who's looking to do this, they're not necessarily rejecting you. It's like submitting a manuscript or something. They're not rejecting yeah. you. They're rejecting the idea or like they just don't have the time for it. And sure. you have to on the opposing end respect that they have enough respect for you to tell you, I just don't have the time to commit to this right now. So yeah, that's a good point. So one that I kind of wanted to get your gauge on and, you know, something I think everybody can continue to do is, you know, like we had talked about, we didn't always see eye to eye, but I was looking at it from what I was trying to tell you from a very different perspective than you were looking at. And I know I would have done the exact same thing as a student. I did the exact same thing as a grad student that there were probably lessons that were trying to be taught that I just wasn't in a space to pay attention. I mean, shoot, just even my time at UWL from the first couple of years to the last several years and my own mindset of just, I wasn't ready at the time to hear or, you know, kind of evolve my thinking. Um, so what, I guess, what role or, you know, just any comments you have on like how that kind of influenced it. We're now, you know, you had referenced you're a GA, you know, you don't have your full-time gig yet, but you're basically working, you know, generally full-time, you know, as experience-wise, as a, you know, full-fledged athletic trainer at the high school level. Like, what impact did that have on shifting or opening perspective? Yeah, so I think working full-time and seeing like I've been blessed in the fact that I've had this GA position so I still have a lot of structure Um, but then within the GA position I've worked at a variety of different levels I've floated around and just worked random like PRN hours I worked at a small university uh, with football for a while Uh, we have one of the biggest track like cross-country USA is in Terre Haute, Indiana. So I've been able to work there. So I've gotten tons of experience. And I think just the more experience you have, the larger perspective you can take on things. Um, And obviously now I'm at the high school level. So it's opened my perspective, just being able to see other people's perspectives from so many different angles. So I've worked with so many different populations Uh, the university that I worked with was completely opposite of UWL, like same size, but like the kids there, the patients that I served were so much different. So getting their perspective and seeing, um, I think a major perspective shift too was something that we're taught in the program is like strive for failure. I've always been one who's afraid of failure and like refuse to fail. So I think the striving for failure um, and like failure is an end point as opposed to a breaking point was a big perspective shift and a mindset shift for me that took place later than I wanted it to, but I know that I'm blessed and like that I'm one of the earlier ones because I went right from one to another. And I know a lot of people still don't view the world that way. Um, but not being afraid to fail and like even striving for that was probably the biggest mindset shift that I've encountered thus far 
granted I'm only a couple years out, but yeah. <laughs> I, that's hugely important, especially that early, that ability to have those seemingly failures or like things that you can critically self-reflect on and, you know, continue to grow. You know, I think it's that same kind of adage of, you know, if you're doing the same things in 10 years that you're doing now, for the most part, it means you probably haven't evolved because everything else probably has. Now there's some tried and trues that say pretty solid. Absolutely. But I've said this to other people, man, if I could go back and do my GA and how I worked with track and field and did the different things, whew, would I do it completely differently? It wouldn't even be close. Um, and I'd probably save myself a lot of anguish in the process. Um, I wanted to flip it on you a little bit because obviously in our situation, you serve as the mentee at first, the mentor, what have you learned as the, in the mentor role to those other students that you reference? A, just what have you learned? And then B, how have you potentially built that into your role as the mentee? Yes. So, uh, I will be 100% honest in saying that the mentee that I was given and I were on very different schedules, um, very different personalities. I don't know that either one of us would have reached out to the other. Um, we did have a good working relationship. Uh, from the mentor perspective, ours, because it was for a class and theirs was also for a class, was really scripted. So it was pretty easy um, that way. Like we had certain things like they would do an SP or like a small simulation and we would then get that video and we would mentor them through like, here's some ways to improve this. Uh, but since then, I've also been mentoring some professional level students that I reached out to. Um, one's a good friend and then some classmates and just building those relationships has been great. That one's worked a lot better. We have regular meetings that aren't as scripted and it's just more fluid and it just feels much more genuine. Not that the one with the mentee that I was given wasn't genuine because we both were genuine in that. Sure. Just, I feel like the relationships work so much better when there's a mutual agreement to come into it instead of being forced. Um, I think that just builds your sense of community a lot better. So I think the new mentor relationship that I'm in is working a lot better. And I think the mentees also feel that it's working better. Um, as far as what I've learned, it's incredible what I've been able to translate. So I think the number one thing that I've learned as a mentor is that you learn just as much from the mentee as what you're like hoping to teach them. Like I'm, sure. I feel like I'm learning just as much from them and as they are from me. Like I'm teaching the basic stuff, but they're asking me questions and bringing new ideas in that are challenging me just as much as I challenge them. So I think that's the number one thing that I've learned is that it's not a one-way street. It's reciprocal. You give to each other and you take from each other. And it's just an overall elevating of each other as opposed to oh the mentor is always teaching and the mentee is always learning it's really a um, good relationship that goes two ways 
I couldn't agree more. I've, I've thought about that after a couple of our calls where I sat there and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just did most of the talking and Bria asked all the questions and it wasn't necessarily because Bria was trying to like get anything out of it. She just was checking in and interesting how that goes to the point where I've sat there and I was like, Hmm, she really makes sure that I'm not the one just laying out what the heck's going on, but I hope it's been still beneficial either way. Yeah, no, it's, I really think it's a beneficial relationship on both ends as long as both parties are interested and invested in the relationship, I think everybody wins. All right. So anyway, um, no, going back to what I was saying, um, yeah, just knowing people have gone through this DAT program and the things that they've learned um, and whatnot, like it's a little jealousy almost, I would say, or envy, you know, just because it sounds like such a great program and covering such a broad spectrum. You and I have had great conversations just about different um, thoughts on leadership. And I I love hearing the different opinions on that and trying to figure out. And so I couldn't agree more when you say that it's about, you know, learning from each other and, you know, I'm always curious because you're probably seeing things that I don't see and, you know, I can continue to evolve, which I think is obviously really important. Yeah. I think we, I remember us talking about it a lot in the beginning of our mentee mentor relationship is like, we don't work at the same level. How are we going to translate yeah. high school to college um, being a head athletic trainer to, or, and I think, it's also important that you don't have to like the experiences that we have are different, but we're all athletic trainers and there's obviously a uniting force within us. So you don't have to necessarily be at the same level or work in the same location to have the qualities that somebody wants or have the conversations because the conversations are going to be meaningful regardless. You're just, going to be able to apply the situation to more populations. Totally agree. I think it's really useful to get ideas from outside of what your specific is, just because it gives you a new perspective. That's, I mean, I I think I drive some people nuts, some more than others about, you know, the different things I read. And I don't, I probably don't read as much as I should around the profession in terms of like scientific stuff and clinical. And I, I try and do my best there, but reading from other like business leaders and everything that like marketing books and other things, like you just get so many ideas and those are the ones that I find are almost as useful to apply clinically, but get it straight out of the same from the profession, you know, talking to a PhD that is only in the educational, but that, you know, if they're researching leadership, you can easily pull some ideas from that because they've done a deeper dive than you have. And that can be really useful down the line. So, so many things can cross across clinical settings and still be beneficial to you. Yeah. What else about the mentor mentee? Um, Good question. I do think um, this is not mentor, mentee, but 
I do think your plug for ISU's DAT is very well warranted. <laughs> um, I, I've learned a ton and you asked about how my perspective has changed. And I honestly think my perspective on everything has grown and elevated. I'm much more open-minded after being in this program. Things are less black and white in ways of clinical practice. Obviously laws are laws and you don't cross the laws. Sure. I don't mean black and white that way. Sure. Black and white as far as like what we're able to do as athletic trainers, like our program's all about pushing the boundaries of that. And like, we talk um, about practicing your full scope of practice. And I don't think that athletic trainers all over the place are doing that. So opening my mind to what athletic trainers really can do and being innovative in those ways. Um, And I think the mentor mentee relationships that you form can help with that they're going to help elevate you and help open your mind to different things. And even if you have a mentor from a different thing, like you mentioned leadership, you can have a mentor that's not an athletic trainer. That's just a business leader and that can help mentor you in the way of leading. Um, So really any quality that you want, I think you can find in a mentor mentee relationship if you search hard enough and your mind's open enough we can make connections if we want to we don't have to stay in our own little bubble of I'm a secondary school athletic trainer versus college athletic trainer and I think that's something that we get into a lot as athletic trainers as we segregate ourselves and I don't think we need to do that anymore we don't need to be in small groups of I work in the college I work in the high school I'm a tactical athlete athletic trainer like there is uniting things about us and we can learn from each other. What do you, if you can, this is going to be a loaded question, but we'll, we'll give it to you anyway. You know, what do you attribute your like opening up your perspective as you kind of reference to different things? Is it the style of the teaching at the DAT versus your undergrad? Not saying one's right or wrong or the other. Is it just coming with a little bit more experience? Is it something that you felt personally that, you know, hey, I'm going to go and invest in this secondary, you know, degree that I'm just going to go in wide open to whatever it may be. And now you're here. I think I'm really curious on to this answer because I think it could be really useful for many. Yeah, I, it is a loaded question. Sorry. Yeah, I like to ask those. I will do my best to answer all of the things. I think it's a combination of a lot of the things you mentioned. I think the teaching style is different. Like you said, not one's right or wrong. Sure. Um, different goals. Yeah, there's very different goals. Um, and it's no longer like we already have the skills at a post-professional level. So mm. we already have the regular skills. It's all about elevating those and pushing the profession forward. Okay. So I think just that goal of the program at ISU is very different than the goals of your professional level. Like the professional level programs are to pass the BOC and become an athletic trainer. You need the skills, but Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to elevate them. So I think my mindset was shifted. Like I'm investing in this. I need an open mind because I need to learn as much as I can. And you can't do that with a closed mind and blinders on all the time. Um, I also think a lot of it came from my cohort in general. We're from all over the country. It's virtual learning. So 
they've all had very different experiences. Some of them have been practicing for 15 years and some of us are just getting out of our professional programs and really have no work experience and everywhere in between. Uh, also with athletic training, every state has different laws, different scopes, different things. So learning from all the people in my cohort has really and like the wide variety of people that we have in our cohort is insane and like the most amazing thing. I learned so much from the other members, which has helped really open my eyes to what athletic training can be. We practice in tons of different settings, do different things and have different goals, but we all come together as a group of athletic trainers that wants to elevate practice and just be the best that we can and elevate athletic training in general and what athletic trainers can do. So I think that's helped too. So I really think it's a blending of everything, um, but I opened my eyes to it slowly along the way. I wouldn't say it all happened at once either. Like every semester with every new project, I was like, oh heck, okay, better open my eye my mind a little bit more, need more space in this brain for things. And it, it's not a zero to 100 type of thing. You slowly open your eyes to more things. So then moving forward, you know, from what you've gathered and gained so far, you know, if you're challenged with something that isn't necessarily along your, you know, your line or your perspective, whether it's a clinical thing. Um, and, you know, if I love getting on AT Twitter and there's still, you know, raging debates about all kinds of things. And, you know, for the most part, I'd say they're good and moderately useful, but not, not always, but, you know, or just your perspective on how you want to run, you know, eventually here shortly, your, your full-time gig, uh, where you're running the high school. Um, how do you see going forward, you taking all of that and allowing your perspective to be open? Yeah, I think I now have the equipment and the like, confidence necessary to do so. I don't think I could have been the only athletic trainer at a high school and felt confident in it right out of undergrad. So I think the skills that I've learned have helped a ton in that regard. I've been able to like, I feel like I'll be fine. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm obviously going to have challenges, but I'm not nearly as nervous in the fact of like, I'll be here by myself starting this um, as their only healthcare provider that's there after school. So I think that's helped a lot. There's still going to be challenges. And I think that's important to know. So like my mindset can't change that way. Um, there's always going to be challenges, no matter how much education, how much experience you have, you're going to face new challenges. So I think keeping an open mind is necessary always because you don't want to be stagnant if you get to a point where you're comfortable and you're stagnant, you're not growing sure. at all. And I think that's the biggest reason to keep an open mind is that I don't like staleness and stagnancy. 
Uh, part of the reason I pursued a post-professional degree is I just don't like to be status quo or feel like I'm just doing the status quo. Yep. So I think my perspective of always wanting to learn and always be better uh, helps me keep that open mind and helps me continue to grow in my perspective and seek out new challenges and transitioning that into the high school as full-time employment is going to be challenging in the fact that I've never not had a schedule. Like I've been going to school for the last 18 years. So I've never been out of strict scheduling, but I think the openness and perspective and the always wanting to find new challenges and new ways to improve and be better is something that everyone can benefit from and that'll help me in the future going forward. Did that answer your question? Yeah, no, I think that's <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it, again, it was very wide open, but ultimately I think, you know, what I was trying to drill down to is, you know, all the things that I think you're picking up in these first two years out of your undergrad are all things that, man, I wish I would have had the ability to think about or, you know, and again, not saying that nobody pushed me because they probably is somebody that did and I didn't pay attention, which is fully possibility uh, with it. But just to highlight the importance of that and like how much it can push you forward personally, which ultimately pushes everything forward. I, yeah, I'm sure I said it to you because I know I say it to a lot of the undergrads and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, my whole thing with all of you is, you know, when I work with I had a lot of seniors, you know, working with football is I've got to kind of reset every year because you guys do. And that's just part of the thing. But my goal every year is to just push it a little bit further. So maybe the next crew that came in, we can just push them along a little bit further. And a lot of me pushing back to you is so you can be further along than I was at that time and put yourself five, seven years ahead of the curve so when you're in my spot in eight years or whatever it is, you're so f- much further along than I was because you started earlier and you were aware of it. I think that is commendable and awesome that you're actually <laughs> able to see that and go through with it because I was not um, at that time. So, Yeah, I think that's a big bonus for the mentee-mentor relationships too is like you may not – feel like you're making a difference on either end but the smallest conversations can lead someone else to make it's the whole ripple effect right you drop a pebble in the water and it ripples out so you're a mentor for me I'm a mentor for other professional level students they go on and become mentors and then we're teaching each other faster sooner because I'm teaching some of the mentees that I'm working with stuff that I'm learning in my post-professional degree because it's challenging them and they want the challenge. So you're pushing them, just like you said, further and further, you try to push us sooner than you were pushed as an undergrad student. And you then turn it around and we try and push others younger um, in a good way, a challenging way, but a good way. And we're learning things younger and hopefully advancing clinicians sooner. Mm Well, anything else around the mentor 
mentee that we didn't cover that you want to cover before we jump into the AT chat questions? I don't think so. All right. Well, you've kind of alluded to this first one, uh, but I'm going to make you drill down to the specifics a little bit. Is just where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Yeah. So um, I hope that we keep pushing forward um, and that we keep expanding. That's my big hope for athletic training. I also hope that we continue to seek to be recognized as healthcare providers, as opposed to marketing tools and um, just like part of athletics. Like, yes, we typically work in athletics, um, but that's, we're so much more than that now. Like athletic trainers are more than just working in athletes now. So I hope that we continue to push forward to this healthcare model being healthcare providers and being seen and respected as such. I know that's a big issue in the world right now. I know the NCAA kind of brought that to light a little bit with their tournament. Um, So, but then also knowing like how to fight those battles because getting mad and yelling, um, you know, me personally, one of my things is like, I don't yell. I don't think it does any good. Um, So like not being, argumentative but being informative I mm-hmm. think is a good way to lead the profession forward and I hope that we start to understand that better as a profession is like there's good ways and bad ways to pre- present information and things that'll push you forward and things that'll keep you digging a deeper hole um, but then I also hope that we move forward into a value or care-based like quality-based model as opposed to our like um be for I just hope that we continue to do push for high quality care even though we're not in a hospital system we don't build sure. through insurance um that type of thing but that we're still making sure that we're providing holistic qual high quality care and culturally competent care to everybody like everybody deserves good health care and we're in a perfect spot to get to do that as athletic trainers so I hope that we keep doing that and expanding ourselves. Yeah, I know when we talked to Dr. Matt Coots, he was, that's his life goal now is, you know, when you think of a nurse, everybody, everybody recognizes what a nurse does, you know, even if they have nothing to do with healthcare and obviously the same thing with a doctor and to try and elevate athletic training to kind of that level of you, you just know what that, what that profession does and, we got some work to do, but I think we got some good people really pushing on the forefront of it. So it should be interesting. Um, so I'm going to make you set the time frame on this, but if you could go back and give yourself advice as a young athletic trainer, A, when would it be? And uh, B, what would that advice be? So I just, I laugh at this question because I'm still a young athletic trainer. Yeah, that's why I made you set the time frame. Yep. And it can go back Um, to student days. Yes. Yeah. I think um, if I could give myself advice, I would do it right out of school. Um, So like, I think that's the perfect, like within the first couple of months of being a certified athletic trainer that like leeway of like, what Mm -hmm. am I going to do? Who am I going to be? Cause you no longer have that 
governing body and you can't hide behind somebody else anymore. Sure. Like as a student, you get to hide behind all the certifieds and yeah. like, you make a mistake, they're there to catch you. So I think if I had to give myself advice, it would be in that first couple of months where you're like, who do I want to be? Where do I want to work? Um, how do I want to care for patients? Am I going to be patient centered? Am I just going to like be the status quo? Um, so I think that's like the most influential part. So that's when I would do it. Um, the advice that I would give myself is not to stop fighting. I know a lot of athletic trainers feel like we're fighting a never ending battle of against the athletics model against like pick your battle. Um, there's athletic trainers fighting it and it's tiring and it seems never ending, but like every step forward that you take is a good step if you're moving in the right direction. So just keep fighting, keep pushing. Um, I also think I would tell myself to do what scares me. We kind of talked about it. Like I was nervous to send that email to you, right? <laughs> I was scared. I was like, Oh, he's going to think I'm crazy, whatever. Um, but if you don't challenge yourself, you're never gonna get any better. So I think doing what scares you and like being okay, living in a place of being uncomfortable and being a little bit fearful, not to the point where like it's causing anxiety, but being scared of what's gonna come next because that also like lights a fire in you. Mm -hmm. So do some things that scare you and push you. And then, um, yeah, I would just say like, take the leap, do it. Worst they can say is no. And worst you can do is fail. But again, like I said before, sometimes it's okay to strive for failure. Sure. I like that. What has been the most influential resource you found in your career thus far? Um, I think the most influential resource I've found is people. And I think um, it stems anywhere from the patients that I've treated to and like provided care for and gotten to know to mentors, uh, mentees. Like I said, I learned just as much from them as they do from me. Um, but I think people in general are the greatest resource that we have. It's something that's constant, but ever changing. Like we always have people around us, even with COVID, we found a way to engage with other people mm -hmm. and people are a constant and you can learn so much and they can be the best resource ever, better than any, and like their experiences are better than anything that I think you can read in a textbook. I won't argue with that. Um, if you could change or eliminate one thing that could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, or whatever else you choose in the field of athletic training, what would it be? Oh, such a good question. <laughs> uh, I think if I could eliminate anything, it would, I really think there's two things. I think one over specialization. So okay. I think as athletic trainers, we're seen as the jack of all traits and people don't like that because we're the master of none. Sure. And I'm of the belief that that's okay. I think it's fine that we do a lot of things pretty well, but we don't really specialize in anything. Like we're not the best at 
anything, but we can provide so much greater of a like landscape of care because of that, because we are that jack of all trades. So I think that would be the main thing that I would change or like eliminate would just be that like need for us to feel like we have to specialize in something to be a good athletic trainer because you don't, you can be a really good athletic trainer and the best athletic trainer that you can be without specializing in one thing. Yeah. I like it. Last question. What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? (laughs) So I think being an athletic trainer in general is being the first line of healthcare to like the first face that people see in healthcare, especially in my setting as a secondary mm-hmm. school athletic trainer. Um, I'm the first healthcare provider that they're going to see immediately after an injury or an illness, especially if it happens after school, like you won't even see the nurse before that you see me. Um, but I think personally to me, being an athletic trainer is getting to do what I love and what I care about doing um, while helping people get back to doing what they love, um, regardless of what that is, um, whether it's to get back on the field to a sporting event or whether it's just being able to like walk and be a functional human again, um, whatever their goal is, I just love helping people. And I think we're in a great position to do that because our landscape is so extensive and we can work in any field. So being an athletic trainer is just helping people and meeting them where they, where they're at and then providing personalized care to them and not treating them like a textbook, treating them like a human being and like a person and getting to know them all while enjoying it. (laughs) Well, before we, kind of wrap up if people wanted to reach out to you or follow you or find you what would be the best places for them to do that oh good question um so you can always reach out i'm not big on twitter i do have a twitter account so feel free to reach out on twitter i believe it's just bria.stanton i can check it real quick um instagram i'm a little bit better at staying on top of and I'm Bria Stanton 18 on Instagram um but I'm also always available phone call email any of those things and I think you have all of that information correct which email uh my personal email okay (laughs) my other my school email will be closed shortly nope that's why I wanted to double check (laughs) Yes, I'm trying to find my Twitter stuff. Uh, Stanton Bria. Just kidding. Gotcha. Bria. So we will link all that up in the page for it. So yes, it should be easy to find. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Of course. I'm glad we got to talk about it, and we'll be having a call soon. I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) Sounds great.